With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Still Giggs goes. He's through. He scored. Ryan Giggs. He's at the goal that's played for Manchester United. To the left. Right footed. It's a clear header. And it's into the net. Sultar has won the European Cup for Manchester United. Hello there, folks. Uh, welcome to another edition of the Shreddy Cast. And, well, you know, it's Premier League season's fully drawn to a close with uh, a press conference that lasted about as long as Theresa May election manifesto pledge and uh, run out for the kids in what felt like something of a preamble to Wednesday's match in Stockholm. Johnny me this week, of course, is first of all Johnny Brook. How you doing, Johnny? Um, fine and well after yesterday's little uplifting performance. Yeah, of course, absolutely. And Philip Morrissey, hello there, Phil. Good afternoon, guys. Uh, looking forward to getting the season done and over with and uh, looking forward to next season. Yeah, it's um, it's almost over, thank God. Um, I, honest, I, I just genuinely can't wait the season to be done. It's been frustrating, it's been annoying, um, it's increased my workload. Um, I cannot wait for Wednesday's game to be done and dusted and just get this thing over with. Uh, I don't know about you guys. Yeah, um, it's, felt, it's felt like about three years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I kind of, I, f- I get the feeling when this season's over I'm going to feel like Terry White. Yeah. I think it just it, it's it's hurting the soul because you know we're potentially looking at a season with two trophies in it, but there's so many nagging pains and annoyances of seven, eight, nine games that we've managed to absolutely annihilate teams nil nil or one all in, and it's, it's just that constant. Flashing back to a win here, a win there, what difference that makes. And, yeah, the season needs ending just so I can stop being that not bad. Yep, no disagreements here. Um, the season, of course, due to a close with a 2-0 win over Crystal Palace. Generally a run-out for the kids. Um, I mean, just having a look at the... I mean, Josh Harrop opened the scoring... Um, Go for the lineup that you had out in the second. It was a wonderful goal, that wasn't it, Phil? Uh, it was, for the youngster on his debut. It was fantastic, and it kept a very promising uh, performance from him because he had he had another opportunity before that, which was uh, which uh, resulted in a save by um, I think it was Dean Hennessy. Um, so, and he he skinned uh, his opposition full back as well at the same time. So. Yeah, it was a very promising performance and it capped a very good week from him because uh, he scored a hat-trick, I think, in the last uh, reserve game uh, during the week, I think, on either Wednesday or Thursday prior to that game. So, four goals in a week, not bad at all. Yeah, he... Um, I still really think... Because, to be honest, I, I hadn't heard much about him myself. I don't don't quite keep up as much with the reserves as some. I mean... Has there been any sort of buzz about about Harrop in particular um, before this game? 
I think more towards the end of the season, more towards the close. I think he was he was kind of involved more in the under 18s and then he graduated up to the under 21s and uh, the last couple of we uh, last couple of months and weeks he's been working fairly fairly well under uh, Nicky Butt who deserves a lot of credit for for all the uh, coaching that he's done at that level like and that's been it, uh, that's been kind of uh, emphasized by the fact that she's been mentioned so much by Marino in the press conferences. Yeah, I think it's, it's been an odd season for the reserves because there have been one or two players like basically the lads who all sort of appeared on Sunday who individually they've done quite well and they've played well enough that he felt confident enough that on yesterday's stage they wouldn't make a mess of it. But because the sides pretty much just avoided relegation, having won the title the season before, the team itself's not really had anything to celebrate. So it's nice to see that despite that, there's a major, major need for a reshuffle at that level. Um, But yeah, they are still producing a few individual talents out there that might not necessarily sort of continue that whole class of 92 thing but if just one or two can sort of make that move up I mean Gomez I've, I've lost track of how excited I've got excited about that if I can talk but the rest of them certainly didn't embarrass themselves yesterday at all yeah just a point on that actually I mean you know we I, I just wonder whether and I think Barcelona are going through this this problem now you talk about having that a group of players of that many that comes through together at the same time that very, very rarely happens. I mean, it always usually is the case of one or two and you and you just bed them into the squad. I mean, it was just going through the team that we had out. Castro Pereira played in goal, uh, which is very interesting. I want to get to the goalkeeper situation later on. We know Romero's going to play, but I think there's a situation with De Gea that it might be worth having a look at uh, very quickly. We'll touch on it again in the, the season review, but it's worth mentioning. Uh, Timothy Fossumento, back fit. Great to see. Huge fan of his. I think we all are. He's very, very promising. Um, the other names in there, we have Mitchell, McTominay, uh, Twansbay, who's certainly not disgraced himself in the team. Um, and Harrop, of course. And even though he's, he's been in the team now for a couple of years, of course, Jesse Lingard as well, who, who is one of the youth team products. And I was surprised he, he played because I felt... He only played for 45 minutes, but I wonder if he might play in the final because he is a big game player but we will get to that later um, in terms of yeah, a good performance uh, Phil I mean is there any other youngsters um, in terms of the ones that we had in that squad in that match day squad that really could stand out for us going forward in the future um, there's a couple I can't I can't think offhand about uh, there's a couple of names in there alright and uh, better guys than me um certainly will know who they are. Um, I haven't been to my detriment really been tracking um, the reserve team recently so uh, because I've just been trying to keep track with what what we've been doing in terms of the first team so um, there are there are still that those uh, couple of gems coming through um, I think that will always be the case no matter what what um, how the team performs or what level they're performing at um, it's just a question of opportunities I suppose um, given the choice uh, <clears throat> uh, I think we were expecting a lot of these 
younger players would be given an opportunity earlier on in the League Cup rounds against certainly the likes against uh, Northampton and what have you, where they tend to be filled up with squad members of the first team, squad members who are then moved on. I would have preferred to have seen younger players of this ilk actually coming through and playing in those kind of games and getting experience of what it is like on a big game atmosphere. Yeah, I'm more of a fan myself of, of the, the the Pochettino methodology of, of breeding in youngsters, which is to do it gradually and just them in playing them in league games and embedding them in with first-team players, as he did with Harry Kane, did with Winks. I mean, Danny Rose has sort of been used in the same way over the last few years. I know he went out to Sunderland for a season, but he was, he had been in the Spurs side, he played league games. Um, I, I mean, I, I just think that's the way to do it, because I think that's the best way for those youngsters to get experience, is to play with the first-teamers in bread-and-butter league football matches and they get the feel for that regular competitive football then? Because I think it, it, it certainly worked that way yesterday because obviously there wasn't a huge first-team presence in that side, but, you know, they had Bay, they had Pogba, they had... I know Lingard's still a youngster, but just for the amount of games he's played and the experience from it, he again would count as a sort of experience head for them to bounce off and you know take it with a bit of salt it is basically a dead rubber at the end of the season where neither side's got anything left to play for but when it's your first game on a stage that big it's very very easy to just disappear not want the ball just try and get through the game without doing anything wrong and not try and do anything right but they all came across as players that just wanted to grab the massive, massive opportunity that it was. And you look at the likes of Axel, Fosu, Mensa. I, I wouldn't be upset at either or both of those two being in the 18 on Wednesday because they've just got that, for players so young, an understanding of the game and an ability to read it and an attitude where they're not phased by playing against players who, calibre-wise and experience-wise, are far, far beyond them takes a lot for the young lad to basically look at as Axel did Sanchez. Yeah, you might well be a top, top-class talent, matey, but today it's you against me and I'm not scared of you. So there's, there's quite a lot to look forward to there. And I am um, hoping that from the attacking side of things, there's a few lads that will come through and match what they offer from sort of a defensive and protective midfield level. I think the two defenders will probably be in the match day squad. I think one definitely, maybe two. We've talked about this. We'll talk about this later. We, we've kind of already spoken about this before over the last couple of days, over the last day or two, about who should and shouldn't be playing in the 18, which we will get to very shortly. Um, just a word as well on Wayne Rooney. Um, there was a certain other footballer who should remain nameless who organised a rather vulgar display of self-aggrandisement and ego managing down in West London yesterday. Rooney what I expect will be his last league game for Manchester United, his last game at Old Trafford. Left off, low key, applauded the fans 80th minute, like a professional uh, Johnny um, despite his decline he has been generally pretty excellent for this football club. He's won everything 
And I don't think he has, despite the fact that how steeply he has, sharply he has declined in the last few years, I don't think he can have many regrets about his career, can he? No, no. And I think I've, I've been said that I can speak today. Um, I've said this quite a few times on um, Twitter today, exactly that, that while I might have lost some love for him for the fact that he's sort of stayed on years beyond his talent, his attitude to this season and the way that he's dealt with his lower profile and being left out in favour of the players, it's incredible the way that he's taken that. And it's just that attitude towards the club being far, far bigger than he'll ever be. And that if he is to take you know, his, his um, role in the club on a smaller scale, then so be it. And the fact that he's been quite respectful in how he's approached that and just seeing that, that you know how the team evolves after he's sort of reached this stage is far far more important than how he gets to play out his final weeks and months so it, it it's a sad one because I, we don't seem to do the whole fond farewell thing like Ferdinand pretty much out the door after he played his game without any of us knowing it were the end of. And although I don't think we'd ever as a club... Yeah, Yeah, I don't think we'd ever be tacky enough to do that god-awful Terry thing, but just the chance to to officially sort of thank somebody for all they've done. Because like we say, he might well have tailed off in these recent years, but by God, the stuff he did for us prior to that is incredible. And no matter how you feel about the player he is now, any Red would want to thank him from the bottom of for all that he's done in the meantime because there are moments in seasons where his dry talent have just dragged us from nowhere and they've been the moments that have got us the points the changing momentum, the whatever you want to call it, League Cup, any of them, that have been the difference between winning, not winning. You, you can't have anything but respect for the lad on that front. It's just this weirdness that no one seems to want to confirm yeah. that that's it, he's done, see you later. It just feels a bit odd. Well, I think the, fa- the fans realise his contribution to this club you could you could see the uh, demonstration of uh, appreciation that the fans gave towards him when he came off. There was no, uh, they were chanting his name. They were to a man. They were stood and applauding him, and he. You could see that there was a mutual appreciation between them for for what they have done for him in terms of his career and what he has done for this football club as well. Um, speaking of goodbyes, just before we move on to previewing the Europa League final, uh, David De Gea, guys, do we think he's finished at United now? Certainly seemed that way. Yeah, I think so. And the fact that he didn't play, he's not going to play on Wednesday, which mm, is I fair. So, yeah. Romero's earned yeah. his chance to play on Wednesday I've... and has generally been excellent whenever he's been called upon this season. Um I think he might be the best number two goalkeeper in the whole Premier League, frankly. Yeah. The difference I mean, the, the is... The performance at Southampton, not just the penalty save, but his entire game 
just incredible stuff because that could have been so easy just to look at it as a dead rubber and think, now do you know what? If the ones in front of me are putting a half-hour shift in, I may as well join them. But it was like the more Southampton put the pressure on, the more he raised his game to make sure that they weren't taking his clean sheet off him. And like you say, in terms of there are some clubs in this league, perhaps one on Merseyside that's celebrated finishing in the top four that don't have a number one keeper that's as good as our backup lad. Not at all. Um, and he might well be pressing for a number one spot next season. It just seems weird to me yeah. that the thing with Real Madrid and Courtois seems to have died off several months ago, yes. and De Gea didn't play. The, the, different, the difference is this time is that we've actually got him on the long-term contract, and we can actually get quite a lot of money out of them. I expect yeah. we'll get between... If there's no player swap, I expect we'll get upwards of 40 to 50 million for him, to be honest. I wouldn't be surprised at all. If there is a player swap, I don't think it's going to be Rodriguez. From what I had been, what I had gathered, that was a story that was put out there by Real Madrid to try and drum up some interest in him, um, which is good because I don't, we don't need Rodriguez. There's no point in us having him. Um, if we're going to be asking for anyone from Real Madrid, um, there are other players that I would be asking for instead. Um, chiefly Alvaro Morata, I think, because that's someone we actually need next season. But that is someone that we will uh, we will talk about that more in detail on the uh, seasonal review show at the end of the week. Let's crack on now. Um, the biggest game of the season, no question for Manchester United, is the Europa League final Wednesday night in Stockholm against Ajax. Just a bit of team news as far as we go. Um, as far as what we've got so far, very little's been let out. Pogba did limp off at the weekend, but from what I've gathered, he seems like he'll be fine. There's no noises to say that he's not going to play, um, so he, he seems like he will play and expect he will want to play as well, so uh, he'll run through Friday that lad to play a football match. Um, and then obviously Bailly, Bailly's out with a suspension, and then Rojo and Zlatan are the absentees. I suppose... Phil, I'll go to you first on this one. The first issue for United is who plays at centre-half because the notion of us playing both Jones and Smalling seems like the loudest and most hilarious suicide note in history. No, I reckon they're going to play... I reckon they're going to play Blinder. I reckon they're going to play Blind with probably with Smalling. And I just hope that it isn't the blind leading the blind. <laughs> um, I think Jones will play, not Smalling. Uh, noise is coming out today that United are open to offers for Chris Smalling. Um, so we always knew at least one of them would go this summer. I'm hoping both we buy a defender and we promote some of the younger players. We we were we've said this sort of back and forth over the last couple of days. We kind of have a little messenger group for this podcast. But Johnny, I mean, it's not absurd to say that you'd feel slightly safer with maybe Twans Bay at centre half rather than uh, Phil Jones or Chris Molling? I certainly would. Um, I think in terms of the two that I'm hoping for, if Mourinho doesn't give the young lad a run out, I would hope that it would be Blendon Jones because, you know, again, Jones in that incredibly frustrating way that he does, away at Southampton, he played like a gravy-loving Baresi. He just... 
dominated everything around him, but he was playing alongside somebody so utterly ridiculously stupid that <laughs> Southampton just destroyed him every time they went near him. And you just you get the feeling it's like Bayes being superb and he will only get better when he's given a teammate to play alongside that isn't a liability. And like we say, there's got to be the issue there where it's one of the young lads or business done over the summer that gives him that solid teammate. I mean, there's no guarantee that anyone at United will ever be another Vidic in Ferdinand, but Bay at least has that potential because he is a sinister, not too shy at all of putting some studs in there if it's going to keep the ball in United's possession. But he spent so much of this season alongside idiots to a complete liability. I just think that has proper support around him. Like we were saying about De Gea, you can have a keeper that isn't quite as spectacular as the lad who's leaving if you've got a better defence in front of him. And I think by hand, an appropriate centre-half will give us that protection that means we don't quite need to rely on a player of the year keeper as much as we have done since Fergie retired. How long are we predicting the Rafa was going to be out for? It was a bad injury, that one. Um, he may be back for about October, September, October. Yeah, I think um, it was sort of September, October. But again, it's like the, at what rate do you bring him back in? Yeah, you can't rush back an injury like that. No, because, I mean, Van Nistelrooy, we were always quite fortunate that he sort of came back as fighting fit as he did from the injury he got as PSV. And as Roy Keane admitted, when Rude would then sort of say the Nice are not playing, he being the abruptly man that he was, thought that we were just being a lightweight. But it's only in retirement that he's realised that Vanessa Roy had the sense to know when. He's that catch-22. If he doesn't push himself in terms of the speed of the return and to deliver the same level he was playing at before the injury, then the value of his return isn't as spectacular as we hope. But if he pushes himself too much, and just ends up causing the amount of damage that he really can't recover from. But, you know, you've got to hope that there's a medical team there at United that will know exactly how to deal with not only the physical, but the mental side of managing his return. And they'll uh, get him back to us in the immaculate state he was in when he uh, unfortunately injured himself. Who are we predicting is going to play up front and in midfield anyway, then, so in that case? Well, I expect Rashford's yeah. going to play up front. I think Mkhitaryan's going to play. Um, and I have a sneaky feeling Lingard yeah. might play as well. Yeah. I alluded to earlier that he's a big game player, Lingard. He's someone you actually can rely on in big games to deliver. He scored in the last two cup finals he's played in. Yeah. I think that's a good reason to play him, personally. Um, I suspect also Fellaini will play as well. Um, I don't want him to play, but I suspect... Um, Herrera, Herrera has to play. It'll be Herrera, Pogba, Fellaini, and a front three of Mkhitaryan, Rashford, Lingard. I think with Damian and probably yeah. Valencia at fullback, and Jones and Blind at centre-half. Would you, would you play Carrick instead of Fellaini? I no? personally would, yes. For a European game? I think I yeah. think so. Yeah. I think he'll play Fellaini. If, if we... If... Yeah. If we need to have that level of control anyway just to dictate the pace of the game. I think for me the the only major, major worry is um like we said and like it showed in the away leg when we played the Belgian side, 
if you start with Carrick and his legs fade and you bring Fellaini on, you're bringing on a liability where at least if you start with Fellaini and sub him before he gets himself sent off, <laughs> Carrick's a better option to help us sort of calm things. If we're in that state where hopefully we are maybe one or two up with 20 minutes left, if anyone can help us manage the remainder of that game out, that's where you want to have Carrick with freshness in his legs just to help control the way we play it out. You bring Fellaini on at that stage and he'll, you know, he is, as a sub, he is a walking self-destruct button. He just, he finds ways to cause damage to himself and United that just... So maybe if we attach like a heart monitor on him, if we start him and if he reaches above a certain threshold, they yeah. get him off. Yeah, because he just... I'm very, very... Now we're sort of talking about it, I get the feeling that pretty much the lineup that started in the away leg at Celta, that for me feels like the kind of lineup that he's likely to go with in the final. And if it can produce the same kind of performance that it did in that away leg, then we might well have that one missing trophy in the cabinet because that performance was up there with the whole one at home to Chelsea in terms of how we just took Dominate. control of the opposition and just sort of dominated, not just the stats side of things, but we just dominated how the game were played. And again, similar to so many other games this season, you know, it took eight missed chances and a rather spectacular free kick. It's just this... Oh, no, I won't. I'm not having the same round for the 48th time this season, but... Um, yeah, it's just been... Can I just play devil's advocate yeah. here? Why not play... Uh-huh. Instead of Fellaini, if you're not going to start coming, why not play Timothy Fossey-Mentor or Axel Twansby in, in there instead? I would love that. I, either one of those two. If if we're talking about the midfield side of things, I'd go for Fosu Mensa just because better footballer. His performances. He's a better footballer. Oh, absolutely. But if you looked at his reserve performances in the build-up to when Van Hal put him in the United side, what his specific role seemed to be at that period was like pretty much. Like Carrick, read the game, make his interception or make his challenge. And as soon as he did that, with incredible athleticism, he would then burst. And he would just run 20, 30 yards with that ball, create space, panic in the opposition. And then he would just find that 10-yard pass that got it to a fullback or a winger. Just sort of created not only that sort of counter-attack that we're used to at United, but a controlled element to it. And I think if if we're looking at players who can really, really damage Ajax, then in that role of just having somebody who can pick the pockets in sort of our sort of defensive third and work out how to very, very quickly turn that into Ajax on the back foot. Because when you look at the pace that we've got that can hit them on the counter with Rashford, with Lingard, someone like that who can get the ball out to them quickly into the channels that they're so good at running into it's it's a beautiful idea 
Somebody that somebody that uh, played a lot of football under Reno at Chelsea, and he taught an awful lot of um, plays in front of the back four uh, was Kirk Zuma. He kind of has that similar type of yeah physicality and athleticism about him, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely, he does. Uh, wait, uh, you won't find any United fans who don't like Timothy Fossey Mensah. I think we'll lay that out on the table now, and don't and anybody at the club who doesn't think highly of him. Uh, but I would that would be something I would consider. I just wonder whether Mourinho might. I just get the feeling he might throw a bit of a curveball with the starting eleven in the way that he did against Chelsea. He threw a bit of a curveball with the starting eleven. We all looked at that and thought, well, that's a mad team to go with. But he worked. He knew to press that game. Um. Phil, what do we need to be? What do we need to watch out for with Ajax, and who do we need to watch out for? It's a very youthful team. I think the average age of about twenty-one. Um, so, is there anything or, and anyone in particular we need to be on the watch for? Uh, well, Bernard uh, Troyori, unknown from Chelsea at the moment. Um, he, Marino, loved the guy when he was at Chelsea. He brought him on. Um, a pre-season tour, I think, of the States when he was about 16 or 17, and fans actually said, like, who the hell is this guy? He's just so comfortable in terms of possession, so natural in terms of his play. He was on loan, I think. Um, he had a, a, another loan spell somewhere else, and he came back under Reno. He played a lot of games under Reno at Chelsea. And then, I think, on in that shuffle when um, when Conte came in he went back out and loaned then to Ajax he's been very kind of he's been good in the Europa League he's been fairly consistent in the actual um, era de vita uh, a lot of um, Ajax fans have been kind of saying he can blow hot and cold but when uh, when he played in that semi-final first leg against Leon, he just absolutely destroyed him. Yes, he did. Um, obviously, Kasper Dolberg as well. He's been with any big club in Europe uh, over the last year. Uh, Justin Clivert will be playing as well. Very, very, very talented son of Patrick Clivert. Still only 17 years old. Scored a spectacular goal recently. Um, I think it was in the Eredivisie he scored it it might have been the game against Go Ahead Eagles the second to last game of the season it was an absolutely stunning goal um, and in a way this is as big a game for Ajax as it is for United in terms of salvaging their season because Ajax didn't win the Eredivisie uh, Feyenoord won it big send off for uh, Dirk Kite on the final day of the season Ajax didn't so they in a way need to win this as much as we did uh, as we as we have to win it um, to secure Champions League football. Yeah, and I think it's the first the first season in quite a while that they haven't actually won anything domestically. Yeah, for all of the talent that they've got and for all of the wonderful football that they do play, they haven't won anything. There is a little bit of a naivety uh, to them defensively, though. They do have a fantastic young South American centre-half called, I think he's called Davidson Martinez. Um, real, real hard nut. Exactly what you would expect and want from a South American centre-half. So it's worth watching out for him as well. Davy Klaassen as well in midfield. Oh, he's um, very good. Does a lot. There's a lot of Premiership uh, sides, the likes of Everton, uh, the likes of Liverpool, other uh, sides in that um, 
around that mid uh, table direction he, there. He makes that. He makes them tick. I've noticed when they get the ball. Yeah, he provides that calmness uh, for other, for the uh, the likes of Traore, the likes of, um, as you said, Casper um, Dahlberg, and uh, the likes of Clivers to to do their magic. Um, let's get predictions. Um, that's what we're going to be getting on to. We're just coming to a close of the show now. Phil, I'm going to go to you first. What are you predicting for this game? 2-1. Uh, Johnny? Um, I can offer no variation on that. I'm going 2-1 as well. I'm trying to remember now. What was the score in the Inter-Bayern Champions League final a few years ago? Was it 2-0 to Inter when Mourinho was manager? Yeah. I'm going to go 2-0. Yeah. I think... For all United's faults this season, Ajax are exactly the sort of team that Mourinho um, would very much relish coming up against. Very good going forward, quite naive maybe defensively. I mean, they nearly went out in the second leg to Lyon. So careless were they defensively. So I, 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 I could see us, I could see us uh, picking them off. They've only progressed by one goal on aggregate in all of the knockout rounds. Because uh, they, they lost to Copenhagen, they lost to Schalke, and obviously they lost to Leon, but they progressed overall, but kind of was, particularly against Copenhagen, it was a fairly cut and trust. It was the home form that got them through, the home legs that got them through. That would be very, very interesting. I, I, I can see us winning that anyway, but it's a full house prediction-wise. Um, but as always, those predictions are laced with trepidation. Uh, we will be back on Friday. Uh, the next show will be out, which will be a seasonal review. We'll be off the back of the Europa League final. Um, hopefully, it will be a happy review for the season. There is so much that hinging on, is hinging on that game on Wednesday. Uh, just before we go, uh, Phil, first, do you want to let everyone know where they can find you? Yeah, you can... Uh... Get me on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash uh, The Lofty Dog. You'll see a lot of the stuff that I've been showing up on the Australian News in terms of um, cat, uh, just bits and pieces uh, talking about uh, opposition and talking about our delightful owners and everything like that. Um, you'll also catch me on Twitter, on twitter.com forward slash Philip E M O E and bits and pieces on Sturdy News, bits and pieces on Irish Metal Archives and just here and on iTunes. Fantastic. And Johnny, how about yourself? Where can everybody find you? Um, yeah, um, also when I can string words together, they're usually posted on Sturdy News for anyone that wants to read Angry Yorkshireness. Um, aside from that, usually on Twitter, um, at Beardmon. That's me. Excellent. I can't think of any time I don't want to read Angry Yorkshireness, to be quite honest, Johnny. So it's always <laughs> it's always worth a read. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Mike underscore Loudmouth, uh, Facebook at the Northern Loudmouth. Um, I will be posting up a big sort of seasonal review piece this week. I don't contribute as much as I used to these days um, because of various fingers in various pies. Um, just a note as well. If you like movies, I do a movie podcast. It's on SoundCloud. It's called The Big Screen Critics. Um, next episode will be out on. F- will be coming out on Friday as well. Um, 
so keep an eye on that. We're going to be last week. The episode from last week, we looked at Alien Covenant. We talked Miss um, Sloan. Um, we talked to the abysmal film called Unlocked and a fantastic film called uh, Jobo, which I liked very much. It's a, a boxing film, the best boxing film I've seen in quite a long time, actually. Uh, British film. Go and check that out. It'll be on your local independent cinema if you've got one near yourselves. So check that out and also check out my YouTube channel as well, The Northern Loudmouth, because I've got a couple of interviews that have thrown up in the last couple of weeks. There's a big horror film festival in Manchester called Triple Six. It's going on at the AMC, uh, the Great Northern in Manchester. Um, I've done an interview with the creator on that. And there's also a Rain and Fastbinder season that's just coming to a close at the end of this week. Um, I've got an interview with Jason Wood, who's the assistant director of film at home. Um, so check out that as well on my YouTube channel. But other than that, folks, um, hopefully have fun on Wednesday night, and we'll see you all again on Friday. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.